we really wanted to create a company that was based on this idea of the triple bottom line, that it wasn't just about us making a dollar and, and focusing on profit like most corporations are. We wanted to take the planet and our people and community into account. Um, what I will say is that it's not that expensive to go plastic neutral or negative. If there's any, any bit of extra margin there, at least take a look at it. Run the numbers. Welcome to Who's Saving the Planet. I am your host, Tony Noto. Thank you for spending part of your day with me. In this week's episode, we're going to be talking about weed, CBD, and being plastic-free. Steve Salaka is my guest. He's a sustainability and agricultural expert who, after chatting with him, it became abundantly clear there's zero excuse for CPG companies to not be plastic negative. The cannabis industry, like most industries, has a major sustainability problem, creates at least 150 million tons of waste annually, mainly due to single-use plastic packaging, just like any product you buy on shelves or online or whatever. Steve was with the Peace Corps, traveled the world, learned a lot. Eventually, he settled down in Hawaii and launched Mana Artisan Botanics, which he claims is the first plastic-negative CBD company in the U.S. How did he do it? Well, it's simple, according to him. He partnered with Repurpose Global, a one-stop shop that collects and recycles one pound of ocean-bound plastic waste for every product Steve sells. They also replace plastic packaging with sustainable alternatives, support regenerative and local farming practices, and source ingredients locally to reduce the carbon footprint of transportation. So join me in this conversation and say aloha to Steve. Aloha. Aloha. How are you doing? I'm great. Thanks for having me on. Oh, thank you for spending part of your week with me. So where in Hawaii are you? So I'm on the Big Island. I'm on the west side of, of Hawaii, and uh, the district that I live in is called South Kona. My farm overlooks Kealakekua Bay and Honaunau National Park, for any of your listeners that might be familiar with the Big Island. Yeah, we've had a couple of uh, guests who have been from Hawaii. But I always like to get a, a feel for where they're calling in from. And obviously, judging from the windows out there, it looks gorgeous. Absolutely stunning today. Yeah. Whereas here yeah. in New York, it is gray and cold. <laughs> well, come on over when you get a chance. Now, are you a native Hawaiian? No, I actually grew up in California. Uh, where in California? Up, yeah, I grew up in the Inland Empire until I was about 18. And so about an hour outside of LA. And then I went to Humboldt State University. So got out of SoCal and as far north as I could go without leaving the state. Okay. And uh, spent four years in West Africa. And then upon my return, I lived in the um, San Francisco Bay Area for about five years before moving to Hawaii. What brought you to South Africa? Uh, West Africa. Oh, West um, Africa. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's okay. I, uh, I did Peace Corps. I really wanted to get a really in-depth experience of outside of American culture and I figured uh, Africa was a, a good platform to do that. And I fell in love with the culture. I spent an extra year after my initial service and lived in a mud hut with a grass roof, fetched my own water, no electricity for two and a half years, growing gardens and working in the, um, in the sustainable agriculture component. And, uh, amazing. Yeah, it was phenomenal. Absolutely amazing. So you've, you strike me as the type of person who's very much in tune with the land and the planet. You obviously love the environment that you're willing to spend a considerable amount of time in your youth in a place where you have to fetch your own water 
you run a farm, as you mentioned. Give us a tight little history of how you got involved in the CBD space. The short version is really, you know, I got turned on to hemp at an early age because I, I was becoming an environmentalist and um, right out of high school, had some great teachers in community college and kind of woke me up to the challenges our planet was going to experience if we didn't shift gears. And uh, that took me down the path of hemp and, and cannabis. And I got to work with one of the legends in the industry, Jack Carrere, uh, gathering signatures for our first hemp initiative, medical marijuana initiatives in California. And that really set the trajectory, really. I, I went to Humboldt, which obviously is very well known for its cannabis culture. So during my college years, I was seeped in, in conscious cannabis culture and uh, became an organic guy right out of the gates with my environmental awareness. And uh, have been a medical grower really ever since uh, 1996 when Act 215 finally came into being in California and have been growing in Hawaii for 15 years since I've been here. So for our listeners who don't know what that is, what's Act 215? Yeah, Act 215 was um, the Compassionate Care Act in California. It was the first uh, you know, uh, referendum that passed in the United States that allowed for medical marijuana. Uh, so that was our first foray into trying to get that passed in 94, which we weren't successful, but again in 96 where we were. At Benzinga.com, you know, we make a big deal out of earnings and, and shareholder returns and the like. Yeah. But one thing that we, and I admit, one thing we haven't really explored, we have to an extent, but not as much as I would like, is just how these companies aren't really doing much to be eco-friendly. Yeah. And you threw a stat at me uh, before the show, 150 million tons of plastic is, is contributed by the industry yeah. in la to landfills, I should say. Yeah. And, and a lot of that's from the ag side, obviously, you know, black plastic in the fields of the hemp grows and things like that. But it's, it's an enormous amount. I mean, it's almost unfathomable. Um, and it's actually why I got into my CBD business. I, you know, I would be with being a, you know, a self-sufficient grower and sharing things with friends and family. Um, but when I discovered CBD about 10 years ago, it really got me thinking this could really make an impact in people's lives. You know, it's a non-psychedelic um, psychoactive alternative to THC. It's got incredible health benefits. And if we can derive it from hemp, we can cross state lines and not have to be challenged by some of the other um, barriers in the THC industry. And so that got me going on the CBD side and what I realized was I could use a product company to spread the good word around conscious, conscious cannabis and organic cannabis. And, and through my time in Humboldt, I realized so many people perceive the cannabis industry as a green industry just because it's cannabis. Right. But the fact is, is the cannabis industry is extremely dependent on harmful chemicals, uh, both you know, pesticides and fertilizers, some herbicides, but mostly pesticides and um, fertilizers and and that most people have no idea and no idea of the amount of waste that's gets created in these huge groves you know in Humboldt there was a big issue where they were growing in the national forests and leaving behind toxic chemicals and, and you know plastic bags but really now it's just a matter of now that we're scaling up in this industry with larger and larger grows legal grows hemp grows the amount of plastic and waste and chemicals being used um, most people just don't realize and they need to really, um, my, my hope is that we can educate the consumers to be asking the right questions. Yeah. And I think they're going to start because now we're only a couple of weeks after election day, five new states had cannabis initiatives yep. on the ballots. The mood is changing. 
more yeah. states are legalizing cannabis, whether it's for medicinal use uh, or both medicinal and recreational. So I right. think people are going to become hyper aware. And I think the opportunity for cannabis, because it's such a young industry, it has the chance to do it right. It has yeah. a chance to avoid the mistakes that say, you know, the alcohol industry or any, any vice any or those. yeah. Yeah. Anything. That's right. I mean, so, really, our lessons should come from the agricultural food industry mm. because we know chemical agriculture is a failed model, right? It kills soil with the amount of chemicals that have to go into commercial agriculture, raising food. Cannabis has the opportunity to really become this movement of organic and regenerative agriculture that influences the food industry. Right. And, and that was my hope in getting into the manufacturing side of things um, and stepping a bit out of farming for, for a minute uh, was to really influence the food industry through conscious cannabis and regenerative agriculture. So do you think if you, if you hadn't gone into cannabis, would you go into just the food industry? You mean, you seem like a healthy guy. You're, you're super aware of just what you put in your body, what you're growing and, and whatnot. Yeah. yeah. You know, I think any way I sliced it, I would have been involved in agriculture after coming out of Africa and seeing what um, goes into subsistence agriculture. I realized through the study of history and really looking at culture, the foundation of all cultures is agriculture besides our family units or how or what we say in, in Hawaii is or ohana, right? Besides that community structure, agriculture is the foundation of all culture throughout history. And until we can get our agriculture systems right, we're, we're going down the wrong path. And so, you know, coming out of Peace Corps, my interest was really agriculture policy. Okay. So how can we have a bigger impact in influencing you know, the type of agriculture that really sustains us or regenerates the, the planet instead of, you know, extracts. And so um, before going into policy, I wanted to really become a farmer so that I could become an educated policymaker, not just another, you know, paper pusher. And so I said, I want to do 10 to 15 years of agriculture before I go into policy. And that's what I really have been doing since I got back from, from Peace Corps. Interesting. And, um, you know, that's, that, that was my impetus. So a peace core to peace pipe, essentially, right? <laughs> so, you know, the peace pipe was already there, you know, uh, before peace core. <laughs> uh, but certainly it's, uh, it's been a big influence in how we can look at indigenous cultures and take the lessons from their sustainable ways of thousands of years, uh, integrate technology, and, um, and look at this really from a perspective of um, indigenous wisdom with technological advances and create sustainable systems. Well, let's, let's dive into that a little bit. What have you learned from indigenous systems? Because we, we just did a, a, an episode with uh, an indigenous a startup founder, and she talked a lot about that, her influence of, of her background and her culture and how that influenced her work. So often when we think of these sustainable terms or regenerative agriculture, we think of permaculture and biodynamic. Um, those are both really words that were and systems that were popularized by um, white, white males, but they borrow from the indigenous cultures. These techniques that they put together in these kind of reformed models of permaculture and biodynamics come from indigenous wisdom. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's really important as we um, become more and more of a conscious society, we give credit to where credit is due. And that is really you know, these indigenous uh, societies have existed for thousands and thousands of years for a reason. It's because they had sustainable regenerative systems in place for the most part. You know, there's the Aztecs and the Mayans that 
we don't know what happened to their cultures. They might have outstripped their resources. But for the most part, you know, they were, these indigenous societies were in tune with nature and managed nature in a way that um, allowed them to subsist and, and persist. And so I think it just needs to, um, it feels good to give credit to where credit is due. Absolutely. So launching a business, any business, whether it's, you know, agriculture in its purest form, there are plenty of uh, organic foods that get shipped across the country and across the world. Uh, there's always that consumer packaged goods aspect of it. Yeah. And the use of plastic. So yeah. that brings me to mana botanics. Nice. Tell me first, what does mana mean? And uh -huh. second, how did you arrive at this zero plastic company? So to your first question, uh, mana in the Hawaiian language is the life force energy that runs in all things. Call, call it the equivalent of chi or prana. Um, or the force, like what George the Lucas. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> Yeah, you got it. <laughs> so mana was for us um, just our, our bow to the sacredness of all things. And, um, and so we really wanted to create a company that was based on this idea of the triple bottom line, that it wasn't just about us making a dollar and, and focusing on profit like most corporations are. We wanted to take the planet and our people and community into account. And so that's how we arrived at, um, you, you know, the word as part of our company name. And that, you know, kind of leads us into why we decided to really push to become the first cannabis industry, cannabis company in the industry um, and really in the world to, to become plastic negative so that we could raise awareness about this challenge of, of manufacturing and, you know, this nor business as usual as a company. It's unavoidable to use plastic in the modern age. And, you know, we did our, our best to avoid plastic at every step when we were creating our products and we, we went with glass and searched out as much as we could to avoid using any plastic, but it's unavoidable, especially living on an island in the middle of the Pacific and having, you know, 2000 miles to any other location um, as our closest proximity, we had to ship stuff in. And of course it always comes wrapped in bubble wrap or plastic. Mm. And so when we discovered Repurpose Global, which is a fantastic new organization that I really recommend to any company that's um, looking at offsetting their plastic use, and it was, it was a light bulb moment of, wow, we know we've done our best to eliminate as much plastic as we can in our company. However, it's inevitable. Now we can offset our plastic use with uh, Repurpose Global and support a community to be pulling plastic either out of the ocean or nature-based plastic um, that would eventually likely make it to the ocean. And it was a no-brainer for us. And so we looked at how to do that and uh, implemented it and, uh, and excited to share it now. So for those who don't know, what is Repurpose Global and who called who? How did you hook up with them? They reached out. I don't actually know. That's a good question. <laughs> yeah. uh, I don't remember how we discovered them, but it was a, some, an email somewhere, I believe. And uh, they are a, a, a company started by a group of young folks um, out of one of the Ivy League colleges. I don't remember which one at the moment. Um, but the woman that started is... Um, from India originally. And so some of their great partners are out of India, but they have worldwide partners that essentially they link up corporations that wanna become either plastic neutral or in our case, plastic negative and partner them with these companies that are already doing things in their community to remove plastic out of the ocean or out of nature. Okay. And um, Do they collect a fee on that? Like how do they make money? Um, so we do pay a fee to repurpose global. Okay. And that helps keep them funded 
Um, they promote us. They give us a little microsite on their server. And then that helps them to, you know, build up their network uh, of partners worldwide. So walk me through the, the process. So you guys make the products in yep. Hawaii, correct? Everything's made in Hawaii? Everything up until this point has been made in Hawaii. We just started with a contract manufacturer that's on the mainland. Cool. Um, so up until this point, everything has been manufactured in Hawaii, but we, are, we now have a new partner on the mainland helping out as well. Repurpose Global comes in. What do they help facilitate the process to repurpose all of that? What would be plastic material? Yeah, you know what's fascinating. So what we do is we basically, we measured everything for about a month that we that either came into our office through shipping or that we use in our products. Like we have to use, you know, the little plastic seals around the tops of the bottles. Right. Um, we have one of our massage bottle was requested to be plastic because the massage therapists were worried it would slip out of their hands and break if it was glass. <laughs> Uh, you know, a few little areas in our company where there was plastic, we measured how much we used over time, over a month. And then we, they helped us with their, uh, with their worksheet, calculate out what a year's worth of plastic would look like and extrapolated from that, um, how to offset that based on weight. And okay. so we had that baseline and now we knew the baseline would be to bring us to plastic neutral. When we, when we found out what that was going to cost us, we said, you know what, What's it, what would it cost us to go the extra step and actually go plastic negative, to actually pull out more than we use? And we looked at those numbers. And so to go plastic negative, we essentially pay um, a certain fee for every product we sell. So for every time someone comes to the Monobotanic Cider, to our store, uh, or a wholesale partner buys one unit, one product, we pull a pound of nature-based plastic out of the environment. And that takes us to plastic negative. All right, I gotta ask, why aren't more companies doing this? Do you think just typical corporate culture, they just don't wanna be hit with those fees and those added costs? And I know it's expensive to start a CBD business or any, anything that has having to do any with business. cannabis, yeah. Or any yeah, business sure. in general, but particularly cannabis, because I think they get hammered in ways that a, a typical industry doesn't get hammered with. True enough. So, why isn't everybody doing this? Is it because of that? You know, Repurpose Global was the first company, and it's a nonprofit, that we found that actually is doing this type of initiative. So I think really the word is just getting out. You know, nobody's really known how to promote plastic neutral, plastic negative, which is why I think these, these young folks that stepped up um, are doing a fantastic thing because I don't know of any other companies or nonprofits that are doing this type of work um, to help companies go plastic neutral or negative. So I, I don't expect you to reveal too much about revenue or anything like that. I, I know you're, private, you're a privately owned company, yeah. so you're going to be tight-lipped on that stuff. But just can you give me a hint as to how you're doing? Like, Can Mana be an example for other companies and to just say, hey, look, we're doing okay. You can yeah. afford to do this and yeah. you know, do your part to save the environment and make the bottom line at the end of the day. Yeah. Great question. You know, we're a young company and, um, you know, COVID has hit us hard, just like a lot of other companies. Um, so, you know, it's hard to equate it to the bottom line right at this moment because it's a unique moment in, in our economy and in our history. Um, what I will say is that it's not that expensive to go plastic neutral or negative. You know, if there's any, any bit of extra margin there, you know, I encourage companies to take, at least take a look at it, run the numbers, and see if it's something that aligns with your philosophy and your mission and your vision, because it's really affordable to really support these companies and 
industries that are, you know, you, you know, we happen to be partnered with an organization out of Africa. So either India or Africa or some of these other partners that Repurpose Global has, it's, it's really affordable to do. And I would encourage people to run the numbers and get in touch with Repurpose Global and try this uh, because they'd be surprised at how affordable it is to actually help remove plastic out of the environment. I know a lot of consumers, especially those who listen to this podcast, they're going to be interested in what products they can buy that are eco-friendly. Yep. What does Mana have to offer? Like what can they, they're on the Mana website. What could they, what could they look for? Yeah. Thanks for asking. You know, we were one of the first in the industry that really wanted to um, model this idea of regenerative agriculture. So um, we source from farmers that we know and we trust that are regrowing regenerative agriculture um, products. So if you go onto the Mana Botanics website, you're able to buy uh, an organic macadamia nut oil from Hawaii that's infused with organic, regeneratively going turmeric uh, <laughs> with organic vanilla that's got full spectrum extract, you know, high CBD, full spectrum extract in it. There's nowhere else in the world that you can buy a product like that. We're the only ones in the industry using organic macadamia nut oil. I know the farmers that are growing the macadamia nuts. I know the guys that are pressing the nuts and making this oil. It's an incredible product and it tastes uh, better than any other oils on the industry because it's different and it's balanced and it's got the organic vanilla in it and the turmeric really helps promote all those synergistic effects with the cbd too so um you know if you're looking for a really great tasting organic product that re supports regenerative agriculture um you know monobotanics is a great option and we have a fantastic balm and massage oil um, we have tinctures so um really just kind of the whole spectrum of if you want organic based products that are infused with additional botanicals grown in hawaii tap you into that Hawaii vibe and spirit, <laughs> yeah. um, then, you know, come check us out. Absolutely. So, and that's the thing. It's like, what better place to get stuff from than Hawaii where it's, I, it's all about the, the sacredness of the land, right? Like I just, when I was there, that's all I, I kept hearing about was just how much there was like a, a sadness to it too, because they, yeah. they've lost their, yeah. you know, they essentially had to forfeit their land. Yes. But, um, also the folks there that live there now, there's just this tremendous respect and love for nature and the land. And that's if right. there's, there's, I mean, it, yeah. it's a call out to the indigenous culture. Once again, you know, so blessed to live in a, in a culture and amongst people that were so reverent, um, for nature, you know, they had 40 different words for different types of rain, you know, <laughs> they, they were so in tune with their environment and, um, so, you know, we get to be in this host culture that is incredibly reverent to all aspects of the environment. And, and because we're 2,000 miles from any other landmass, we have some of the cleanest air in the world. Mm -hmm. And yeah. so, so that really, I think, should speak to people that are looking for purity of products. Um, unfortunately, right. you know, we see in the wine industry, even the organic wines ha are contaminated with, with glyphosate and the Roundup um, derivative there. So by being in Hawaii, we really hope to be sourcing some of the purest ingredients. We get all of our stuff tested and, uh, and it really, you know, brings forth a Hawaiian vibe and, and we hope it also takes people to the nostalgia of if they've ever been here, you know, of their time on the beach of sitting at a luau, sharing a good meal, having family time. Um, and that's really what we wanted to do with our products was to bring forth those Hawaiian flavors. We call it the flavor infused with the flavors of aloha. Infused with the flavors of aloha. I like yeah. that. So what's next for you? Like, is there, is there anything you can sort of reveal as to what's on the horizon? 
Yeah, you know, we're always trying to innovate. You, you know, COVID's also, you know, pushing innovation as well. Um, you know, in what had way? Some great clue us into on how was it pushing innovation? Yeah, you know, well, with COVID, we lost a lot of our, our partners on wholesale side. You know, mm. we were in the Four Seasons in several locations here in Hawaii. We had Ritz-Carlton Waikiki as a partner. And, not the Four Seasons landscaping. I want to make that clear, right? No, some, we're not some people, planning, some people our, on the main in the United States get confused about Four Seasons and Four Seasons landscaping. I'm not going to name yeah, names. No, four but, Seasons Hotel and Spa. Okay. Yeah. So our, the spas here in Hawaii had been great supporters of our, of our brand. And so when, when all the spas have been shut down and the hotels have been shut down since March, it, took, it was a big hit for us. So we're innovating, looking at how we can reach the end consumer through our e-commerce platform. We've been doing a lot of content generation through blogs and stories, um, sharing our story. And we're looking you know, at deeper uh, into grocery relationships because obviously that, that's where people are still going to you know, support their health and wellness. So that's basically been forcing us to innovate. And then by offering new products, you know, immune boosters, um, sleep products, things that help people with stress and really trying to promote that message, not just with CBD. And that's the thing that we try and do is talk about wellness in general. You know, we look at these other botanicals like turmeric and passion vine comfrey and plantain in our balm to help soothe the skin and um, really looking at how we can support people in their health and wellness journey, not just through cannabis. So I want to keep you on for just maybe a couple more minutes. Um, sure. Curious to know what the message is like when you go to, uh, to ink different partnerships or retail outlets or however it is you, when you, when you're sitting across the table from wherever you're going to partner with, yeah. how much is that, uh, plastic zero plastic message a part of it of of what your message is yeah you know it's a it's part of the conversation we're wanting to lead with more and more especially because we're the first cannabis company in the industry to be really promoting this idea um and how's, how's honest, the, what's the feedback like though what, how do they react yeah, you to know that? all the feedback has been super positive but we're only a couple of months in on this initiative yeah and you know being that we can't go to our big trade shows and you know everything's virtual right now um, you know, it, we're just getting our toes dipped in. So, you know, we appreciate the time even today. We sharing the message through your, your audience. Yeah. Um, so far the reception is absolutely positive. And most of the time it's, wow, we didn't even know that's possible. And we're getting some folks that are saying, Hey, we want to contact repurpose global. This is really interesting to us. And some of my, my colleagues in the industry are saying, Hey, challenge accepted. We would love to try. We'd love to look at this as an option too. Interesting. So that yeah. yeah, so they look at what you're doing. They're like, well, we don't want them showing us up, right? That was the point. Hey, it was a call to action. You know, when I announced it on my Facebook page, it was a call to action. We don't want to be the sole ones out there and try and keep this to ourselves. We want to be the inspiration. We want the industry to follow suit because we don't want to be just the only cannabis industry in here with the bragging rights. We want to be the industry, um, you know, kind of standard. We want this just to become a standard and have everybody jump on board and, and be an influence in the industry. Who's the person at Repurpose Global that is sort of leading the way? Like who, who are the power players there? Yeah, it's a, it's a really wonderful lady named Slavinka. I'm probably not even saying that right. Um, okay. She's at the helm there and is doing fabulous things, extremely knowledgeable, um, fabulous young lady. Is there an excuse for a company to not reach out to Repurpose Global? I don't think I don't think there's an excuse at this point. You know, we have we have a a responsibility uh, as companies as businesses to really be addressing this issue because our, you know the gov we can't rely on government to present all the answers. 
And we're the, we're the ones using the plastic. We're the ones sending it out to the consumers. It's really up to industry to innovate this solution. And Repurpose Global has done a fantabulous, fantabulous, fantabulous job. <laughs> fantabulous, yeah. Fantabulous. Really stepping into the space. And I think that every company should look at this. And, but I do think it's a two-pronged approach. Because really, at this point, there's really no reason to be using fossil fuel-based plastics unless we're talking about perhaps medical devices. We have plant-based plastic alternatives now. Hemp, corn, soy, sugarcane, they're all out there. Yeah, they're more expensive, but come on, guys. Like, you know, a couple cents per unit isn't going to break the bank, and it's really a responsibility of business and industry to be using uh, plant-based plastics if you, and then offsetting whatever fossil fuel-based plastics we do have to use if, if we must uh, with initiatives like Repurpose Global. So I, I read something once that like the DuPont family is kind of responsible for holding the hemp industry back. Is that true? If you read Jack Herrera's book, Emperor Wears No Clothes, which I did in the early 90s, he talks about DuPont quite a bit. Yeah. And they were one of the players, not just because of plastics, but you know Henry Ford was making hemp-based car panels and you know his model model and i forget which one it was but it was one of the early models of the four base cars had hemp based products made on it so dupont was definitely twitching at the idea of hemp replacing some of these fossil fuel based products i don't think they were the only ones of course but um they were they were playing a role in keeping cannabis from the consumer and helped in the um limiting through prohibition industry is cutthroat and they try to look out for number one that's right. I mean, we, look, we can look at it throughout history, right? I mean, Rudolf Diesel created the diesel engine to run on vegetable oil. What did they do to him? They threw him off the side of a boat and they took over his diesel engine technology and turned it into a fossil fuel engine. And we can see it over and over in history with what they did with public transportation in cities and got people to go into single, single cars and the rubber industry was behind that one and for tires. You know, it's across the board. Hemp was a casualty of of you know post World War II, you know industrialism, yeah. and it's really really um, a sad fact. Yeah. But um, Dupont was one of those players. So I want to wrap up now because I had you for plenty of time. I know you have a million and a half things to do. Tell people you know just your your thing. Tell them where to find you. So you can find Mana Botanics actually at manabotanics.com. Uh, it's a great website. Super lots of stories on there about us and what we do in Hawaii. Our farm in Hawaii, Honau Now Farm grows many of the ingredients along with a lot of our partners here on the Big Island. Uh, if you're looking for a product that has incredible flavors, unique ingredients, fantastic botanical synergistic combinations that you know where you're getting an organic regenerative grown product and high quality um, cannabis product, uh, definitely come and check us out. Hit us up online or um, any of our social accounts, ask questions. We're happy to be transparent uh, in any way that we can. Stephen, thank you so much for joining us. I can't say any more. You've been a great guest, and I'll, you know, hopefully this is the first of many more conversations. I want to keep in touch with you guys and hear what Mana Botanics has in the future. Thanks. I really appreciate the opportunity, and uh, happy to join you anytime. Thank you for listening to this episode of Who's Saving the Planet. If you're a business owner listening to this show, or just a plain old podcast patron who enjoys the sultry sound of my voice, you too can curb your plastic use and head to repurpose.global for more info. 
You can also visit whosavingtheplanet.com to read our articles, subscribe to our newsletter, and of course, tune in every week for a new story, a new conversation that we are confident you will enjoy. Until then, be well, enjoy life, and aloha. Aloha.